Hi, I'm Melissa Italiano, founder of Melissa Natural Perfumes and your host for the With Intent podcast, where I'll be bringing you insightful conversations with everyday inspired people living with intent. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review, comment and share. Thanks and enjoy the podcast. Melanie Dufty is an astrologer, writer and seeker of truth through energy medicine and meditation. Her first novel, I Am Lilith, was released late last year and has left readers mesmerised and inspired. In this podcast, Melanie shares her journey to bringing forth her destiny with the writing of her book and its theme of past and present struggles between the sexes and realisation of a truth in unity. We've tried not to spoil your discovery if you're yet to read the book and hope you enjoy the podcast. Thank you for listening. Good morning, Melanie, and welcome to the With Intent podcast. Thank you for being here. Good morning, Melissa. It's really good to be here. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Um, I'm super excited. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. Incredible book. I am Lilith. My children have just got to meet Melanie and I can see they're mesmerised and my little boy in particular is, um, tells me all about his famous author, favourite authors and the fact that he's just got to meet Melanie now is a, is a wow moment for him. Um, <laughs> lovely. Melanie, let's, uh, this podcast, I really want, I don't want it to be a spoiler for people who haven't read the book yet. Um, and obviously there'll be a lot of people listening um, who are just interested in your story and, and um, about people who do live with intent and find their purpose. Mm-hmm. So can you give us a little bit of a background on yourself and your journey thus far and um, your, I guess, um, the inspiration for pursuing a path in, in your astrology and writing and now publishing the publishing of Iron Lilith? Sure. Well, I made a very big turnaround in my life when I was 34 and I had my first son. So up until that point, I was on, um, you know, I went to uni and I lived in London and I was very focused on my career in PR um, and working with the media and I was like super intent on climbing the corporate ladder and it made me feel special. Like, (laughs) and I just thought that was my path. And, um, you know, I was married to the man I'm still married to and you know we moved back to Australia and we had a house and I had a you know a good career and when I had my first son I just and took time off work I realized that well I think I was actually probably depressed and I just felt incredibly empty um, and realized that I'd achieved enough things that to know that they weren't fulfilling me and I just felt a huge calling for something but I had no idea what and I was very mainstream at the time I wasn't I didn't believe in energy or um, even in yeah there being um, a consciousness beyond you know what I experienced in the normal day-to-day life so I think it was just through sheer desperation around that time after um, my first son Luke was one that I started to investigate you know learning some different things like kinesiology and um, things I got interested in. And then I discovered um, pranic healing and meditation and That's went from so there. That's so interesting. So were you, were you diagnosed as depressed? No. Had no. you been, had, did you seek any assistance for that? 
No. Um, I was already quite into natural health at that time and I, I wanted to have a home birth for Luke and I was into, um, you know, I wasn't into the mainstream in that area. My mother has always had so much mental, you know, so many mental health problems and always was uh, with medication and she didn't do any healing and um, I just knew that I didn't want to do that. Um, so just gradually I, I guess I moved out from homeopathy and more alternative health into actual spiritual connection often um we will get back to your life purpose <laughs> um your journey but i i'm just um it's very interesting because my birth it was my first birth pregnancy um propelled me on this journey mm. of inward um, reflection and um i guess i was led a similar life too so I, we've, we've got that in common yeah. and i didn't know that so yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I think that having a baby, the first baby especially, is just a ginormous turning point in any woman's life. Absolutely massive. And I think it just pushed away so much that was at the surface level and left me like with something really open in the core. And from that, it was just such a bereftness, I guess, but that I was <clears throat> realising that, I wasn't connected to my true self and that I was fooled about what was, would satisfy me. So after Luke was one and you started on this journey of a bit of kinesiology and some alternative um, therapies, what, what happened next? Um, well, I, I, my, I feel that I was directed away or from kinesiology and into pranic healing um, and uh, studying with Master Chalkok Sui and studying Arhatic Yoga, which was all about reconnecting with the soul and energy medicine. And through that, um, I, I met Melanie Ryan, who's now my mentor and teacher with my heart meditation and um, ITA energy medicine. So I was into it like 110%. Uh, basically, I went to one event, um, a meditation, and from there I was just like obsessed, passionate, cons constantly always meditating and practicing energy medicine for the next probably like 10 years. And, um, and when yeah. did the astrology come in? Um, I had a reading with, someone told me there was a great astrologer in South Africa at the, and I had a reading with her on the phone. I think that was in 2010. Um, and I was blown away by how accurate it was. And what I was just, I, I already believed at that point fully. I understood that we're a soul, we have a purpose, we're here for a certain reason. And, but I still found it just incredible what she said to me. And after that, because I love studying, I started to research, you know, more about my own chart. And from there, um, friends started asking me, what, what about their chart? And from there, I, I got a, an amazing teacher and you know went through years of study and became qualified and started to do reading so really it's because it blew me away with how helpful it was to clarify what my life purpose was and it just absolutely resonated with me so that you were studying and, and became a, um, a professional astrologer mm. at the same time as the meditation yeah. journey yes yeah and then collectively um, when did the book, when did the inspiration and when did, I guess, your realisation of your purpose come, come to the fore? Not for some time. So I, I knew that my purpose was a very spiritual one and one that also involved communicating in kind of grounded, like accessible ways as well. 
but the clarity of it taking the form of a book did not emerge for some time. I had to do a lot of, um, I guess, self-alignment and exploration before I came to that. But I did always know, even since I was a kid, that I wanted to be writing and I had sort of visions of writing on a typewriter and things when I was a kid. So I did always want to do it and I could feel a real pull that I need, that I wanted to do something really, really significant. Um, but I didn't really believe that it could be this. Isn't that interesting? 2017, which is when I started the book. So Melody, um, who is Lilith? Well, Lilith is in uh, Jewish mythology. Um, someone a woman who was married to adam before eve and adam insisted that she had to lie beneath him um, and that she was inferior to him and she refused that and left him and then he married um, eve so she one because she was disobedient and it was the beginning of the era of patriarchy in my belief she was exiled and demonized like for all of the things that they didn't like about women so for her sexuality and for her uh, empowerment with her fertility. So she was called um, an evil seductress, a demon, um, a vampire, a, a succubus, which means like just sucking the energy out of people. Um, and um, she was just demonised. So, and she's, so she's got quite a bad rap. Very bad rap. Um, and really just the, all the projections of what was feared about the feminine um, were, were put on to Lilith and... That's, I believe that she, that's an, like an archetypal energy within every woman, the parts of our feminine that have been exiled and shamed and, and sullied. Um, but that's not the truth of who Lilith is. She is like the empowered part of us that is very sexual, very powerful, you know, very loving, like more of a fierce love. So she is due back and we can't have balance or integration within ourselves without that fierce part of the feminine that she stands for uh, being, you know, welcomed back. Wow, there's so much Lilith in all of us that's, that's been shamed, but we'll get to that later. Um, can you please continue with the inspiration for Lilith and I guess how the story came to you in, um, I think you said 2017? Um, I, so in 2012, I first found out about this, um, this big astrological cycle that sees humanity evolve. And, in, and really, in a, the, that's the basis for I Am Lilith. But it didn't. It took another five years before I had the like inspiration and the clarity of the story that I wanted to share that through. Um, and it was, yeah, it it did take quite a lot of work of like um, intending, you know, meditating, looking, searching, filling up notebooks, like looking for. Um, what I wanted to say and even in this yoga class um, I used to go to the teacher during like one of the poses where you really open up your heart and your arms would always say what have you got to say and that used to inspire me so much and I didn't know what I had to say but I just kept sort of praying or in meditating and intending what have I got to say what have I got to say and eventually that yeah fulfilled itself because I felt clear 
that what I want to say is in that book. Yeah, so you pretty much asked. Um, I asked. What many you, times. Many times. <laughs> and you received. I did, um, yeah. Fantastic. So without spoiling listeners yet to read your book, can you outline the story of I Am Lilith? Sure. So I Am Lilith is set in ancient Sumer, which was in ancient Mesopotamia, um, about 6,000 years ago, and it's a female-ruled world where women and, you know, fertility, women's sexuality, um, all everything to do with women was absolutely revered and worshipped and unquestionably the power that, that ran creation. And uh, it doesn't mean it was all nice because that's one of the interesting things. It's like if you do read, there are lots of books and sort of um, in fiction and non-fiction that, when there was a matriarchal society, which many people believe there was, um, that it was all sweet and lovely and that there was no problems and then, you know, the patriarchy came along and, you know, ruined it. But my book really flips that on its head and I believe it to be true, which is that the feminine and masculine, we are one. The feminine and masculine are just as powerful and one isn't, yeah, less or, you know, more a tyrannical or in shadow expression isn't worse than the other they're equal so in i am lilith the the female ruled world is tyrannical and oppressive to the masculine and so it really explores that which is very interesting because for the last six thousand years we've been living in a patriarchal society where the tables were turned on that so the book is yeah set in you know a world where lilith is the head of the female ruled society and they do they strip males are stripped of purpose and of rights and they see that they don't have any purpose except as you know workers and they don't even acknowledge that males have a role in procreation they just believe women fruit like pregnancies unto themselves um, and that males don't even this you know their semen isn't even like potent and it's just a um, a replication of mother's milk and so it's quite it's not it's not a joke but it's also quite sort of it can be quite fun to explore that world as well but it's for the higher purpose of showing the bigger message of the book which is uh, which is the unity and equality and yet it's kind of interesting to explore a female ruled world so what happens is the men start to get more and more um, angry and rebellion starts to rise um, and Lilith um, meets this man that she falls in love with called Adam and they, she really wants to forge a better society and she becomes more and more um, sort of heartbroken about the, the suppression that she's heading up really, even though it's like historic and she wants to make it a better place and to bring men into um, a more equal position and yet they fear this secret prophecy that the male, that men are going to take over and are going to repress women terribly. So they want to try and stop that as well. So she has this inner turmoil and this pull on her conscience to do the right thing at the same time. She wants to protect um, her society from this future that they've seen in their, in their magical priestess work of the future. And it, it's such a page turner. <laughs> and there, and it was quite confronting, those parts which you um, briefly described about the women actually, you know, doing some pretty destructive things um, and demeaning 
yeah. um, things to the mail. It, it, it was very confronting. I found it. I found it stirred a lot of good and bad within me. Um, but I wanted to ask how much is fact versus fiction because there is a significant um, uh, amount of astrology throughout, which I assume is fact. Yes, if you believe in astrology, it's fact. Um, and, yeah, because, you know, ast there's an astronomical cycle, which is absolutely fact, as NASA would agree, um, that and uh, of this 25,000-year cycle that the book is based on, which shows us how humans um, experience sort of one era where the feminine energy takes precedence and then one era where the masculine energy takes precedence and then we reunite into unity, which is happening right now. So the book really bridges from the turning point from the feminine on top to the masculine on top and then um, it bridges to right now in human evolution, which is where we unify. We, we've taken all we've learnt from believing ourselves separate. We've explored all, every sort of nuance of shadow and what that means, and now we're ready to reunite. It's really significant because there is so much dialogue and energy around the female rising and... Um, it's really interesting. And in my last podcast with Constance Hall, we actually um, breached on that and, and I breached the subject of, a, of, of us needing to be equal. And your book is, I mean, do you want to explore or explain what your belief is around that? And I guess astrologically what? Yeah. What I was, my whole life up until really in an epiphany in 2017, just before I got the idea for the book and it all started flooding through, was that I've been like a raging feminist up until that point. Um, and I was just devastated and enraged about all issues to do with feminism and masculine feminine imbalance. And I was so angry and also so hurt. And I, I was, couldn't stop thinking about like all the witch burnings and I was just really wrapped up in all of that. It was quite devastating. And I felt, yeah, like a, a grief as well as an anger. And I felt that the feminine was sort of like all good and had been hurt by the masculine. And then I had this like gigantic, like absolutely body rushing, like epiphany in a, really in a moment that we were just the same. And that, like this whole, like you can't have in the unity or in the perfect yin-yang of creation, you can't have one that's like good and the other one that's a victim or, you know, it's, it was just like completely false. So I recognise that the feminine in shadow is, has plenty of um, <laughs> powers and is just as dangerous in, her, in its own way. Of course, we all carry the feminine masculine within us. So the feminine in shadow, you know, manifests more like uh, manipulation, mm. neglect, secrets. Um, and it can also be, you know, absolutely very cruel. And uh, the masculine energy, you know, manifests more in, um, I guess, yang, overt, like actual violence or physicality or, and structure and like power and control structures that are blatant mm. and open, whereas mm. the feminine is more secret. Mm. And it's, so you'll see it in, you know, in everybody and in all the world. So, yeah, it was, I want, wanted the book to explore through a story what it, in quite, you know, a, a literal world where the feminine 
was ruling and it wasn't all in light but there is plenty of light in there as well like the beautiful sacred rituals beautiful and authentic honoring of the feminine sexuality and fertility and there is extensive symbolism throughout the book which i loved um and being a fellow maha there was um i loved a lot of the references and and i guess the gifts the the mind's eye and all the gifts that um, Lilith and her priestesses would use in intuition. Um, but I'm going to get back to, I'm going to focus on scent, obviously, because yes. of um, our purpose. Scent features heavily patchouli, jasmine, cypress, juniper. Even the dog Fancy um, was scented with geranium. <laughs> Why did you choose to focus so heavily on scent? And um, and how did you match scent to the characters and, and um, the scenes, etc.? Scent is an incredibly important part of the Venusian energy. So Venusian meaning, you know, Venus. So the, the beautiful, sensual, um, like goddess Venus energy. So, you know, scent, sensuality, touch. Um, so scent just was inherently always going to be key in creating this beautiful exotic world that in the light aspects that the feminine is ruling and yeah they're always making perfumes and and and, and creating like um perfumes is like as you know as you've seen the book is like greatly revered as like a key artistic expression so um, yes, yeah, scent actually absolutely had to be there in this Venusian world. And how did I match it? Well, Lilith um, especially wears patchouli, and patchouli for me, it's just such a like mature, super, super sexy, powerful, deep, rich, rolling smell. And it seems, I don't know, it, I just associate it with like women, like not girls, but women. And I just feel, felt to me like the energy of Lilith. So interesting because patchouli is a bass note. Yeah. Um, so it's a very grounding yeah. note um, and gives um, uh, durability. Mm. Um, yeah. And Lilith is, although she's very grounded, although she's um, very spiritual and in touch with her intuition and she's very grounded in her approach. Mm. Yeah, it, so is, it makes sense very that grounded. she wears patchouli, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's really solid, isn't it? Very but solid. Also, super sexy. Yes. Yeah. Um, did you research your yeah. scent? Oh, absolutely. Um, I I researched what they were using in ancient Sumer at the time. So, and uh, the book isn't all um, correct to whatever information is available because there's not all that much information about what they were using and eating, and you know what they were using as scents and what kind of crystals they were using. But where where I can, where I could, I've tried to draw out what they were using. Um, and, and put it in the book but like for instance with jasmine I mean um, well I just love jasmine and it's so light and pure and beautiful and that's used quite a lot in the most like beautiful garden scenes in the temple where everything's just so evocative and jasmine just it's like a beautiful pure Venusian world that they live up there whilst down on the streets you know that the men are living in squalor and it was almost like I don't know, like it just helped set another world. It sure did. The jasmine yeah. and smells of wisteria even. And, you know, um, Cleopatra used to use jasmine. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, to yeah. allure her lovers. Wow. Yeah. Um, and Rose. 
Jasmine and Rose. Love them. Love them. Yeah. I love those smells. And Rose, of course, is used as well by the the retired high priestess Manna. That's right. As like, to me, like the ultimate heart energy and the really evolved energy that she carries. So much wisdom. Mm. Um, and, And on the subject of symbolism, you which is some of the some of it's explained in the afterword of the book but snakes also feature heavily um i'm fascinated by the snake references as i frequently experience snakes in my (laughs) realm and i'd like to know what they signify so you've got the snake entwined around the triangle and the heaven and earth symbols on the front of the cover the vipers that um killed the heretic the they're on the snake symbol on Lilith's staff her cuffs Mm-hmm. Um, there's plenty more. Yeah, yeah. Can you, can you share? Sure. Well, the snake is a symbol of um, you know spiritual connection, like the Kundalini serpent rising up, and it's very significant that the snake you know has its whole body in contact with the earth. So it's like a symbol of being very much on the earth, and as it rises, as you know, through spiritual unification you know, the kundalini serpent up to the crown chakra. It's like going from the earth to the heaven. So it's like a symbol of heaven on earth. And like in Lilith, um, they call, she's got her beloved, beautiful um, green python called Yasmin that she adores, as as you know. And she's called Sky Snake because she's like a representation of heaven and earth. So she's from the ground, but she lives up high in the temple so it's like a symbol of yeah being able to master the earthly realms up to the heavenly and the second really major reason for the snake focus is that there is a 13th star sign called ophiuchus which i believe your star sign is if you apply the 13th sign system because sagittarians um, born especially a little bit late, later degree Sagittarians like yourself, when you apply the 13 sign system, they become an Ophiuchus, which is the snake. Oh. And the, it's the snake that means um, the master of duality, so the master of shadow and light, the master of heaven and earth. So the snake, and, and in the book and in I believe this to be true, as do, as do many astrologers, um, especially more spiritual astrologers, believed that it was stripped from the system as the patriarchal era took hold. And the thir- and it's all connected with the 13 energy. And, you know, and of course, Lilith is one of 13 priestesses. There are 13 lunar months in a year. The whole thing of the 13 in connection with not just feminine wisdom, because Ophiuchus is about unifying the, the two polarities, masculine, feminine, light, dark, any, any sort of opposite. So the snake is incredibly significant as a symbol of unification and mastery, mastery being a key word of the opposites of duality. So interesting because that's really what I'm trying to master, the, of within myself, <laughs> yeah. the emotions, you know, the masculine, feminine and also the, the lower and emotions. And, um, and I have literally, we have pythons on our doorstep. Wow all wow. the time and when we are in margaret river mm-hmm. um and there are a lot more snakes around but i have them literally come wow. up our deck and the kids will be like mom there's a, there's a python you know in my little flower pot love it a couple of times three times a year at least wow. um and at major times in my life i've 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 seen them 
in being out on a run and bang there's a snake and anyway I find it really interesting so thank you for yeah. explaining that yeah keep keep I need to keep trying to master yeah and, and even to yeah investigate that 13, 13th star sign Ophiuchus Ophiuchus okay well because I really believe in the coming I don't know decades centuries that the that humans will welcome back the 13 sign star system okay in astrology right well, I look forward to, I'm going to actually personally have a reading with you, so I look forward to yeah, um, investigating that. Um, now, the book is quite saucy and at times quite shocking, which we alluded to earlier. Um, Lilith and the Priestess's strength, intuition, sensuality and womanhood is greatly revered and celebrated. Um, and, I, and as I said, it did stir a lot of energy in me. Um, what what feedback are you receiving from your readers? Like, what are people yeah. saying to you once they read this book? The sexuality and this the the world where there is just no such thing possible as sexual shame, menstrual shame. It's just completely not in the energy of the book or in the energy of that world, and. People, the feedback I'm getting is that it's similar to what you're giving, which is that it's it's stirred some incredible awakenings. I've heard some women have come to me personally and shared some incredible stories about what they've felt in their own womanhood, their own sexuality, re realizations, the things. So women are especially enjoying one of the earlier scenes in the book, which is a sacred, a sacred full moon, beautiful, celebrated, pure, wholesome super super sensual and sexual and just beautiful that is the truth and it's like the the demonization and how lilith i mean i don't know if um listeners will realize that lilith has been called you know the darkest demon and the mother of all vampires and the baby killer and the evil seductress a lot of it about her sexuality it's like it's it's been demonized because it carries our power and our our divine connection so in the book that world, as you know, is only about that, that beautiful purity. So it's really stirring women's sexuality and a lot of women are telling me very personal things that I just love hearing. Well, I've got something personal to share with you after this as well. Oh, great. You just stirred that within me. Bring it on. Um, that's wonderful. Ah, look, it, it's definitely I have been recommending your book to, um, and I think whether people are on an inward spiritual journey or not, I think they will connect to this book. I do too. I think there's enough story, entertaining story, through to you know whatever elements you want to draw out. I, I, the that's the other feedback I'm getting from people. There, there's usually something in it in particular that's speaking to them. Um, but yeah, you can read it as a very deep spiritual book, or even you know just to explore a different world. We've talked about connecting with Lilith's energy. Um, and I felt disappointed, and I'm not going to spoil it for people, but I felt disappointed when she uh, lost and went into the shadow because she yeah. does go into the shadow in a very big way. Mm. Um, why did you choose for her to, to go down that path? Um, she had to. So I feel that I didn't choose it. I feel that that's what happened. So when it's like as part of this big evolutionary cycle where the feminine was on top and then the masculine was on top, she took the fall really as like, I think as a sacrifice um, where she would be denied, exiled, hated, feared for eons. Um, so she 
it happened. So that part within the feminine energy that's un, unpalatable, unwelcome through the patriarchy, she signifies that. True. So she did, it has been very painful. And, but now the time is here, like the energy is here that she's back. And that's why I use hashtag Lilith is back. So back within every woman, back within every man too. So she had to take the fall. She did take the fall as an energy expression, but that's done. The rise is here back into equality. There's so much in this book that we could dissect, but we're not doing that because this isn't a book review. <laughs> that's, that's for another time. Um, I'm going to read because we, I just want to touch back on because the message is so strong about um, unity with, uh, between men and women um, and one not being more dominant of the other. And in your afterword, you've written under the section about what Lilith symbolises. You've said the illusional era of masculine or feminine being on top or made of this womb or that penis is over. They can never be separated. The true nature of the masculine is to cherish the feminine and her boundaryless dynamic creative nature and her true nature is to adore his structure, his focus and how he forms the banks that shape her wild river. They are creation itself and exist within every form, every creation, every moment. I highlighted that in my book because it was very relevant to me because that's what I'm trying to achieve within my own personal marriage, you know, mm -hmm. and I think people who are listening will really, um, relationships can be quite challenging if there is this struggle, power struggle going on. And I think the reminder that we need to revere our man for some of those qualities is is really important yeah, just like they too. need to and i had that discussion with my husband and thank you for this book because it really triggered it to remind me to say you know um you do need to appreciate my creative creativity and which can be frustrating and mm. at the same time so yeah, absolutely i i have yeah i feel the same of course and even like you know that instinctive feminine intuition that is so not based on a grounded experience, but it's like a knowing and it's so deep and sensitive and raw. It's like it's just last night saying to my husband, saying, and he is amazing at that, but saying you, you have to, you must listen to this intuitive, raw, sensitive knowing that I have about something that's currently going on in our life. And I, it's like a real grief if it's not honoured, and especially when we feel it ourselves and turn away from it. You know, those knowings? Totally. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's so incredibly important. Yeah, and I, and I do think that we have to realise that within ourselves first and first. foremost. Um, and then just I have had the privilege of observing you and um, Wayne, and I know Wayne's been on Mahat retreats and is, is very much sharing the meditation journey with you. Completely, um, yeah. which which seems very very special yeah yeah he's completely um sharing the feminine masculine journey that we're on and the spiritual journey and he's been a major part of supporting the book some of the amazing ideas that are in the book come from wayne so right alongside he's been standing with me and he's also very uh tuned in to the feminine energy and i needed that in order to you know to bring this book about I needed to be held because 
of my initial rage and what he's yeah, been able to hold for me because the masculine can hold that space and like let that storm. And it's not always a storm. The feminine's everything. But, yeah, there was healing to be done. There was rage. It was grief. And he's been able to hold that and help me, yeah, to find the space that I needed. Of course, we also carry the structure, the drive, the push, the masculine energy um, within ourselves as well as the feminine. And ultimately, it's going to be within ourselves that we unify. And this book, from that description, sounds like it was birthed out of unity between you and Wayne. It's, it is. The book is still delivering that full unity because I don't claim that we're in full perfect unity, um, but we know what it is and we're actively working on it. And the book is like a massive grounding of that. And it's, we're, we're still, yeah, we know what it is, but, yeah, is it perfect? No. <laughs> Well, we can only strive for it, right? Um, Now, what advice, I mean, this is your, you've described this book as your life's purpose or the start of your life's purpose, along with the creation of your babies, I'm sure, and, and a lot more. But what advice would you give to listeners out there how to find and know their purpose? Well, to look um, and to, to actively seek to if people, whether it's using um, intention or whatever methods, whether it's meditation, prayer, intent, um, and just like walking around, well, it's what I did, saying, what have I got to say? What have I got to say? Sometimes listening to music and getting like, you know, that passion when you feel so alive and like just really calling out to like the universe and, and I guess, you know, we're one with the universe, what have I got to say? Or if it's not saying, because your purpose may not be saying something, it may be doing something or, or carrying an energy or being having an amazing relationship through to a business, who knows? Um, I also, I believe that astrology can help um, you to get the gist of your life purpose. Will it tell you exactly what you'll do? No, but it will give you the direction and the gist and it can really sort of give you a bit of structure within which to explore more of what your soul's here to do. And what about being present? Being present, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, in order yeah, to receive and to connect with your soul which and its purpose, you definitely need to be present. And that presence for me can range from, like I say, like the, the, the sort of joy of dancing and feeling like mm-hmm. incredible joy through to stillness in meditation through to just walking around in nature and uh, it's certainly putting my phone down and, yeah, being present is absolutely crucial. You can't hear your soul without that. Beautiful. Um, now, I know you've experienced Melissa since. Yes. Oh, <laughs> getting, back, getting back to <laughs> Melissa. <laughs> what, um, and you came to the launch actually, which oh, I was beautiful. very grateful for. Do you have a personal favourite? My personal favourite, I love Melissa perfumes and the energy in them and the smells and everything about them. Um, my favourite at the moment, because I've changed, is, um, is the new Nativus blends and I just love them and I love the whole experience of them, not the smell, the way I feel, um, you know, the complexity and the smell and I adore the beautiful art with the, the packaging, the whole experience of the perfume I just love and isn't it interesting because they change for me too all the time and a lot of people who connect with them they say you know they start out with one favorite and then they 
you know, and I, and that's when I believe scent chooses you. Mm. Your, your subconscious knows what it needs and the ingredients and the plant matter yeah. chooses you for where you're at at that point in time. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Even, yeah, from moods through to different phases, we have our scents that we're drawn to. Thank you. Or that choose sharing. us. Yes. Yeah. Now, we are getting, we need to sort of close, but I just wanted to provide an opportunity for you um, to add to our conversation anything that you feel is important um, for our With Intent listeners to know about you personally, your journey, and or I am Lilith. The main thing for right now is that the time is really, truly here, like astrologically, spiritually, like energetically. This, we're in this window where we can really make this quantum leap into that new era. So it's like the, you, and, but you need intent because there is kind of like a pullback into lower emotion or like all the stuff going on in the world. And we need a bit of extra intent at the moment to, to have some faith, to believe in this truth that we are entering as a time of unity and to have the intent to do what you need to do to bring yourself to that space as much as you can. And so what would your recommendation be for that intentional and intentional practice? Yeah, just self like that, like you say, presence with yourself. So it's like going within. Um, and for me, that involves uh, meditation, but also just I, I just love lying around in, in nature and feeling it. So I really think it's we need to go back within ourselves to find it and to find a community where and you know to be around people who support and are on the same path. Fantastic. Basically, the same path. Well, Melanie, I'm so grateful. Thank you so much. The book is epic. Thank and you so much. I have no doubt that it is going to be a bestseller in time as more and more people connect to it. And so thank you. Thank you for bringing your truth um, to this world and to the With Intent podcast. Thank you so much, Melissa.